It is great to be with you, and we've got some special things we're going to do today, epic things, things in the life of a church that need to be recorded and remembered. But before we get into all those things, we're going to talk about the Bible a little bit today, and we are in a series <clears throat> on stewardship. So turn with me over to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, we're going to look at chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, the title of the message is The Supply, The Supply, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, and you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Lord, help us as we study your word. I want to talk about three things. One, the supplier. Two, the multiplier. And three, the blessed. Paul is working really hard here to help Gentiles understand what it's like to be incorporated in partnering with God in the vision of advancing the kingdom. Remember, when he plants churches, uh, especially in Europe, they are, they are a faraway place from Israel. And the further you got from the promised land, the fewer probably Jewish people there were. And so maybe the makeup of these congregations uh, could be 70-30 Gentile Jew. And we, by the way, are Gentiles. Gentiles are those people who are not Jewish. And so the Jewish people had some history about what it meant to give. They understood the regulations of the law that they were to sacrifice on a regular basis. They were to contribute. They were to tithe. They were to give to the orphan and the widow. Gentiles had no such regulations. There wasn't a practice of distribution on their part on a regular basis. It just did not exist. And throughout the empire, there were different ways to do worship to their polytheistic form. So many of them believed in Zeus and Hermes and uh, Apollo and all of the Greek gods. And there was no sense of corporate worship. You had your own individual moment where you went to your little kiosk where you felt like your God could be best represented, lit your candles, offered your little sacrifice, and walked away. There wasn't an exhortation from somebody talking about how great Zeus was, nor Apollos, nor Hermes. And so uh, their, their idea about spiritual things and responsibilities that their gods would put on them were corrupt and different. And so Paul's doing everything he can now to help these Gentile believers understand what they've come into because they just haven't been saved They've been incorporated into a vision. They haven't been extricated just from the world. They've been put into something. And now as citizens of this new kingdom, they're responsible to participate in the advancement of it. How do you do that? Well, with your time, your energy, your focus, and your resources. And so he's helping these people in Corinth understand the principles of sowing and reaping. Now, last week, there was the idea of what it meant to, to sow, to reap, and as a result of sowing and, and, and reaping, God will supply and make grace abound to you so that you having sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. I mean, these are things that it's, it's, you can find piecemealed in the Old Testament, but never with the concentration that you find in the New because it's a building process in the Old for a people that understood the process of giving. 
And so you have one, one thing in Genesis, you have another in Exodus, you have another in Deuteronomy, you have some with some of the prophets, and so they piece it all together. But Paul is saying, I don't have 1,500 years to write. I've got to get all this down on the inside of you now. And so he's compiling thousands of years of contribution history into one moment, helping these people understand this is how you participate in this kingdom thing. You don't just you don't just get in as a consumer. You're supposed to be a distributor. You're supposed to be a partner in it and help God do what needs to be done on the earth by advancing his kingdom through resources. Your time, your energy, your focus, your treasure, all that you've got is supposed to be employed in what is important to him. And so this is why these letters sometimes concentrate so much on money because money is something that people concentrate on. Now, let me tell you something, dear Sterling. I don't have a problem talking about money, Amen. ever. Why? Because I ask so much more of you than just for your money. I ask you to pick up your cross daily and follow them. That's dying. That's a whole lot harder to do than giving. And so I don't have a problem talking about money. And secondly, we use it pretty well. We give out a, a report every year about how we distributed your resources. 15, at least 15% of our money goes out from us, just giving away. Missions, uh, people in need, uh, uh, church plants, just gone, money gone. And nobody here getting rich. I got too many people in my house. <laughs> I drive fairly normal cars, and even if I drove an expensive one, it's none of your business. But I choose not to. I choose not to because I want to be an example. And so th there's no reason why you wouldn't want to give to us. But even if you don't want to, you've got to give someplace. Someplace. So I don't have a problem talking about money. I'm not shy about it at all. I, I, could, talk, I could talk about it on Easter and be just fine. <laughs> Paul wants to try to help these people culturally. Understand how important it is to partner with God in this. And, he, and so he lays out six through nine as, 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 an, as a kind of a template on how you begin the process of participating with God with your resources. And then 10 and 11, he says, I want you to know God is a supplier. And he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. And so God is our supplier. He supplies in two ways. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Now the seed to the sower and the bread for food are the same, I'll say it this way, the seed to the sower and the bread for food concentrate on the same person, not two different people. It's not seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Amen. This implies that everybody is supposed to be a sower because God is your supply even though you may not partner with him. He loves you like that. He supplies for you just because he cares about you. And there's very little reason that you give him to want to. I mean, it's not like we, we, we serve him all the time and we're grateful all the time and we don't complain about his lack of provision or what he didn't do for us and accuse him. And, and not. We, we find ourselves on the opposite end on a regular basis of really being like him and treating him well. And yet he still supplies for you. There are people out there that hate him that he's still giving stuff to. He's a good God. He's not like us. People who hate us, we don't give them nothing. We don't give them a thing. 
ever. We don't say happy birthday. We don't send them Amazon gift cards. We give them nothing. We think we've really done something if we haven't hated them back. Talking about distributing to them. No, no, no. I, I, I've really grown up. I'm not trying, to, I'm not trying to, to knock them out. That's how messed up we are. That we think we really have arrived when we aren't paying them back. We haven't even, we haven't moved yet into the place where God is, where he supplies for those who hate him. All of humanity is receiving supply from God because he cares. He loves people. That includes you. And whether you, whether you devote yourself to him or not, you need to be grateful. Grateful. I mean the kind of grateful that makes you pause for a minute. Not the kind of grateful that mama said that you needed to be when you were two and somebody gave you a lollipop. And she said, what? Say thank you. And, and as you were unwrapping the lollipop, thank you, you weren't interested in, in really appreciating them. You were just obligatorily doing what mama said because you wanted that lollipop. And we are so interested in the provision that the provider is an on-the-way thing. It's something we have to do. I'm not talking about that level of thanksgiving. I'm talking about even if you don't love them, you need to lift your hands and say, you're good to me. Thank you. Thank you. And he supplies, it says, seed to the sower. Now, all of us need to be sowers. And it's, it's in context of what's already been said, that if you do so, you will reap. And you don't need to be concerned about the ability to sow because he always supplies seed to the sower. The problem is this, that you don't realize he also provides bread for food. And he who supplies seed to the sower and provides bread for food then supplies on both ends that which you need to consume and that which you need to give. The problem is when you don't think about the one who's supposed to supply your bread for food, you begin to eat your seed for sowing. And if you eat your seed for sowing, you're going to decrease the harvest that you need later four months down the road. The reason he has supplied seed for sowing is so that you can have a harvest later. Now, every farmer knows if I eat the seed that I'm supposed to put into the ground, I might be good now. But four months from now, I'm going to be bad. I have no way to make a living or provide for my family. So I have to sacrifice what I need now in order to provide what I need later. And the beauty is when I put one seed in the ground, I generally get 400 back. So it's a good return on my investment. You put a corn seed in the ground. If you did, and then four months later, it came up with one seed. You would sit there and scratch your head and say, why did I do that? There was no point. I waited four months for nothing. I could have eaten that seed four months ago. But we plant one seed in order to get many. And on each ear of corn, there's about a 400, the kind of corn we produce, not the kind of corn they had, the, the stuff that is non-GMO that we have. No legacy seeds in our corn, I can promise you that. When the, when the, when the folks arrived, Native Americans 400 years ago, corn was this big. That big. Now it's this big. And so, but whatever it was, it was more than what you put in the ground, and so everybody knew if I plant, I'm going to reap a harvest that's bigger than what I put in the ground. And God provides seed for the sower. The difficulty is that you get so fearful about your provision that you eat your seed 
along with your bread for food. And then you wonder, why, why don't I have a harvest? All these other people testifying about what God did. It never happens to me. Well, have you sown? Because he provides seed for sowing. Now, the danger is this, that you do eat your seed for sowing as bread for food. But there is no danger in the reverse. In fact, there's a blessing. That if you decide at some point to use the bread for food or the seed that he gives you in order to produce bread for food, because that's where bread comes from. You take the seed, you grind it up, make flour, make bread. If you choose to take the seed that was, that was meant as bread for food and sow it, God says, oh, you're at a different level now. Because I provided seed for sowing, but now you're taking the seed that you would use to make flour for bread for food and using that to a sowing? Oh, oh, you've moved into a brand new realm now. There's a place where you are expecting me to do stuff that I normally don't do for people. I mean, I supply, but I'm about to do miracle stuff for you. There's always an advantage if you go that direction. If you go the other direction and eat your seed for sowing, there's no big benefit on the other side, and you're actually depriving yourself of, of the stuff God wants to give you. Example, 1 Kings 17, Elijah, a prophet, prophesies and said it's not going to rain except when I tell it to. They don't know who he is. He just appears out of no place, tells King Ahab, who's a wicked king, it's not going to rain. Nobody believes him. After about nine months, then they begin to believe him. No rain. Where is this guy? He's been hiding out. Everybody's looking for him because they want him to either reverse the curse or they want him jailed. And so God has him hide out at a brook called Cherith. And he sits there for a minute because that's where the water is. After a little bit, you called a drought, so the brook dries up. God says, I want you to move, and I want you to go to a widow in Zarephath who's going to provide for you. Zarephath is outside of the nation of Israel, about 50 miles north on the sea, Mediterranean Sea on the coast, in the region we would call today on the border of Lebanon and Syria. And he goes there, and he enters the city, and he sees this woman gathering sticks. And she's doing that in order to produce a fire, to make one last cake for her and her boy, and then they're going to die because the, the drought has extended up to there. And he sees her gathering sticks. He's not quite sure whether she is the designated woman who's supposed to provide for her. He asks her, go get me some water. Now, that's a, bold, that's a bold ask in a drought. You're a stranger. You aren't a friend. Hospitality is huge in the Middle East. If you have nothing in your house and somebody comes to your door and says, I would like some of your nothing, you give it to them. That's what hospitality is. They consider other people more important than themselves. We in America, different story. We give what we have left over. We don't give from our supply. Elijah says, give me some water. And she doesn't balk. She's not a Jew. She's us. She's Gentile. Has no history of Old Testament Torah tradition. She goes and gets the water. He says, oh, by the way, seeing her faith, he says, could you make me a cake? I'm, I'm hungry. And then the woman has to talk to him a little bit. She says, now maybe, I don't know where you've been for the last year and a half, but, but there's a drought here. And, and maybe, maybe you've missed it completely, but, but I want you to know that I have a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour, and my boy and I, I'm gathering these sticks to make a fire. My boy and I plan to make a cake, eat it, and then die. And you want some? <laughs> what a bold ask from a man who knows they're in a drought and people are starving. Make me a cake first. He didn't just say make me one. He said make it for me first. 
God asks you boldly, do me first. Do my stuff first. Now, what Elijah said, even though it seems very insensitive, he said, you do this, that jar, that jar of oil you've got, that bowl of flour, won't run out until the Lord brings rain on the earth. That woman looking at him. And she's thinking this in her mind probably. That one cake that I make for me and my boy, either we die today or we die tomorrow. But we're going to die. He said if I make one cake for him, we won't die. But we sure going to die if I make the cake for me and my boy. No question. Whether it's today or tomorrow, we're going to die. I'm going to make that man a cake. Made it for him. After that, when she went to, to get a cup of flour, out of the bowl she had, she got a cup of flour and didn't deplete the amount of flour that was in the bowl. I don't know how that is except God. When she poured oil from the flask and got as much as she needed in order to make the cake, when she, when she, when she poured it out and, and put it back up, there was no oil depleted from the flask. I don't know how that is except God. God does stuff for people who choose to put him first and use the seed for sowing and not as bread for food. What are you doing with the seed God has given you for sowing? Tithing is really important. That, so we don't have to figure it out. So we don't have to determine, well, how much again should I? I'm not quite. Tithing is real simple, just 10%. Amen, Pastor Brett. That was such a good point. <laughs> God made it real simple, tithe. And that's part of your seed for sowing. There's also missions. There's also orphans. There are also other offerings that you give. In order. And then there's just the clear distribution to people in need around you for which you get no tax deduction. It's not a corporate endeavor. It's just folks that are in need around you. Alms, if you will, in the New Testament. That's what they call them. And so there are so many ways, but it starts with the tithe. That is your seed for sowing. And, and so many of us are eating it because we don't trust them to give us bread for food. And we are robbing ourselves on both ends of, a, of a, an ability to see God do a miracle and watch him be faithful and a harvest coming in for our benefit that allows us to move into the next level. Because he says this, point two. He's a multiplier. And if you do the stuff that believes that God is the one who supplies the seed for sowing and the bread for food, if you do that regularly by sowing, I will multiply. <laughs> this is so great. I mean, our God is so good to us. He's teaching Gentiles again about how this thing works. I will multiply your seed for sowing. You mean if I give 10% on a regular basis and I give to widows and orphans and campus ministers and, 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 and all kinds of church plans, if I do this kind of stuff and distribute my resources, you will not only allow me the privilege of partnering with you in something that I didn't, I didn't have a right to, but you will multiply, you'll give me more seed to sow? Why? Because, listen, God wants us to be givers. First and foremost, he wants us to be distributors. Why? Because that's what he is. He made this entire world. And what did he do? Gave it to man. He said, I've given this to you. The plants, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals, they're all yours. You, the animals are to serve you. The plants are to be food for you. Adam was a vegetarian. I'm not. I had a good steak last night. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm not mad at anybody. If, if you want to be a vegan, I'm good. I'm 
good, I'm good. But the original, yes, it was Adam was a vegetarian. He wasn't supposed to use the animals for food. That didn't come until after Noah got out of the ark when all the vegetation was destroyed. And God said, now you got to eat these things. That's why he had seven pairs of clean animals in the ark. It was to sacrifice and because God knew when you get out, there's not going to be any food but them. And so then mankind had to eat animals. Um, but the animals, the, the animals were there primarily to serve. And I, I'm, I, over in Chantilly, I have a propensity on this, this point to talk about animals. And I get a lot of emails <laughs> when, I, when I talk about animals because folk like their animals a lot. I like animals. I don't love animals. I love people. And, 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 and let, 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 me, let, me, let me tell you why I'm so strong in this point. It says that when God said, I'm going to give Adam a helper suitable for him, Adam, Adam looked at all the animals around, said he couldn't find one. How come we can? Relationally, why can we find animals that are suitable for us? Because what we do is we divorce our spouses and get a dog. We make dogs family members. Why? Why? They don't want to be family members. They really don't. They're fine. They don't go to court to change their last name to... to they're fine. They're fine. They're, they know their spot. They're simply there to serve us. That's it. And I am grateful for all the animals that can be therapy to people that are... P, uh, uh, post-traumatic stress and, and all the other things that animals write. But, but hear me, it's really an indictment of our lack on the inside that we now have to use animals rather than the people God's supposed to supply for the relational connection that's necessary. Because God said, I'll make a helper suitable for you. Adam said, I can't find one among the animals. God said, good, I'm glad you have recognized that there's nothing there that can supply for you. Now I will make you what you need. And he made Eve. And then he said, bone of my bones. <laughs> I mean, you talk about love at first sight. That's what it was. He saw her, said, I am changing your last name today. <laughs> That's how much he knew she was supposed to be with him. That's my help. And people are supposed to be your help as flawed as they are. Now, keep your dog, please. <laughs> Provide for your dog. But realize, they do not give you unconditional love. You confuse it as unconditional love because they can't talk. <laughs> if they could talk, you'd send them to the shelter tomorrow. God was a giver. He made all of this for us. And he wants us to be givers. That's what he wants. He wants us to be distributors because we're made in his image. And when we hoard, when we hold on to stuff, we do not reflect his goodness to the world. Nor do we share with people as a testimony about how our God can invade the reality of our lack and provide even as it doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's what the miraculous is. And then it says he multiplies. So multiply. 
when you sow like this, he will multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So when you sow, he says, okay, now I'm going to give you more seed to sow. And there's an exponential effect. So if you had one seed that produced 400 four months later, now you've got five seeds. And those five seeds are producing 2,000, which then give you not only more seed for sowing, but now more bread for food because you can grind it into cornbread and make something. Put a little ham hock on that thing with some greens. <laughs> you, you're, you're moving down the road. It's exponential. God says, I give you more so you can have more. But it's not just more to make you happy. It's more so you can sow. And then as I close, because we've got a lot of stuff to do in the service, he says, and then you will be enriched, meaning you will have an abundance, Corinthians. You'll be so enriched so that you can liberally distribute more. God wants you blessed, but he doesn't want you blessed just so you can say you're blessed. It's not about accumulating toys. And stuff. Ecclesiastes 5.11 says, When goods increase, so do those who consume them. So you're living in an apartment. You're starting out, all's good. And for the first time, you get your house. And now you've got a yard, a place for your kids to be. You're feeling like you're moving up. You're feeling the provision of God. But the first thing you realize is you got grass. You got grass, and, and, and that, that grass is growing, and you don't have a mower. Oh, I, I, got, I got to go buy a mower. And then you got a sidewalk, and, and that sidewalk, you got to make sure that it, the grass is trimmed. Oh, I, I got to buy an edger. And then you've got a little flower bed. Oh, I got to buy some mulch. Maybe I need to hire a landscaper here. I'm, I'm just, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. So the more stuff you get, the more stuff you got to get to provide for the stuff you, you got. It doesn't stop. Listen, it doesn't stop. The more you get, the more you have to spend to keep the stuff ready and prepared that you got. It's not about you, and it's not about what you, what you need to have. It's about how you can distribute. Now, I'm not, I'm not mad at all. If God has blessed you to where you, you can have a boat and you go out in the Chesapeake every week, and I'm not talking about one of these things you got to row. I'm talking about these yacht things. <laughs> I'm talking about like 25, 30 feet where you and I can have dinner and then go to bed at night and come back up. <laughs> Invite me, please. Invite me. I'm not mad at you as long as it doesn't restrict your ability to sow. Because that's what you're called to do. And you're called to do it with singularity. So the Greek for the word liberality in this passage is singular or oneness. And it doesn't seem to translate to generosity as much as we would like in our English context. But if you look at it in the context of the entire passage, what, what Paul is saying is this. God will enrich you so that you, with all liberality, can be focused in your generosity. Meaning, you don't have to worry about where your retirement's coming from. Save, do what you need to do, all that stuff. But you don't have to worry about it because as long as you continue 
to focus on the things that are most important to God's process of distribution, which results in your, your reaping, you're set. Everybody else is trying to figure out, do I have to, do I have to invest here, invest there, and do that, and get all my, my, my pockets and, and baskets full and diversification? Good for anybody who's doing it. I'm just wanting you to know that there is no greater investment than that which can be given in the kingdom. And he's saying you can find yourself in a place of singularness with respect to liberality because all of your sowing goes into the kingdom and God will give you back in spades what you have given. Enrich you so that you with all liberality can be generous. Which will produce thanksgiving to God. Oh, we're about to send out some folks your pastor and a team of people who are going with them. We're sowing. They're sowing their lives. We're sowing really good leaders. Why? Because we want Denver to give praise to God. I need David Hermes and Megan. I need them real bad. I was hoping they'd stay here for a long time and serve this community of, of the metropolitan area in a way that allows us to grow together and see many churches planted around this area. Such is not the case. They get to do that in Denver. And there are very few people who are more disappointed with their lack of staying here than me. <laughs> but my disappointment is quickly fixed when I think about the growth and, and the vision they have for Denver, which I did not have. And I get so much more happy about their sending rather than their leaving. Are you listening to me? That's and that's the way you got to be. You're missing somebody. You're, somebody's going from you that you depended on. But I beg you, don't concentrate on that. Concentrate on the growth and the harvest of righteousness that is going to be reaped as a result of your sowing. You with me? Okay, I'm going to pray for this portion of the sermon. And then we're going to set in your new pastor. And then we're going to send out the... Folks, and it's, it's going to be a restrained emotionally environment um, that, that, uh, that I don't know. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I'm asking for your grace that you would empower us and help us to know our responsibility regularly to be good sowers. Individually, what we need to do to provide for the people around us and how we need to incorporate our lives into the vision of this house and your kingdom. Is there anybody this morning who has yet to give their heart to Christ? Maybe you've made a decision in the past, but there's nothing about your life that looks anything about being right with God. If you fit in either of those categories, raise your hand high. I'd like to pray for you. Anybody at all? All right. Lord, thank you for your goodness and grace. Empower these people in Jesus' name. Amen.